Do you worry about your cardiac health? Need to reduce your harmful cholesterol? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplement formulations to help reduce elevated blood lipid levels, help keep your cholesterol in check, and support cardiovascular well-being. Discover organic cardiac heart tincture, cholesterol, and slow-release CoQ10. Natural ingredients and guaranteed potency for healthier days and a brighter future. Let's make life better. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. And for more information, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. You're listening to an interview taken from the Tonic Talk Show and Podcast. Dr. Colleen Hartwick is a licensed naturopathic physician who's been in private practice since 2012 in Campbell River, B.C. She has a special interest in trauma as it pertains to physical illness, and as such, her practice focuses on mental health. In addition, Dr. Hartwick is passionate about sharing her knowledge and has been a part-time instructor at the Canadian School for Nutrition since 2015 and recently began publishing educational articles with Naturopathic Currents. Welcome back to the show, Colleen. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. So February, Heart Month, it's de rigueur. We're going to talk about hearts today, okay? Okay. All right. Sounds good. So for those who don't know, what is the impact of heart disease on Canadians? Uh, For your audience, they might not realize that it's one of the leading causes of death for Canadians. So just some statistics to kind of create a sense of how much impact heart disease has on Canadians. One in 12 Canadians over the age of 20 have some version of diagnosable heart disease, about one person every hour. Um, sorry, every hour rather, but 14 Canadians over the age of 20 are diagnosed with a heart disease and pass away from it. Uh, We see men being twice as likely to suffer from heart attack as compared to females. 90% of Canadians are in the category of having metabolic syndrome, which is a cluster of symptoms associated with a big uptick in heart disease risk. So uh, it's characterized by obesity, diabetes and high blood pressure. Is it true, and I I think I read this somewhere, that that one in three Canadians dies of stroke or heart disease? Is that true? Yeah, you've got that right. So as I mentioned, heart disease and heart attack and stroke, second leading cause of death for Canadians, costing the economy over about $20 billion as per statistics from a couple years back. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's one point we haven't touched on, and that's the hereditary component of it. My father, when he was my age, had to have a, a quadruple bypass and was an undiagnosed diabetic at the time. And that's sort of that's part of the reason I entered into this industry. I myself was morbidly obese and lost a bunch of weight because it, it scared the hell out of me. You know, I wanted to make sure that if I had all these cohorts, if I was susceptible to heart disease, that I was going to make myself as healthy as I could be just in case, you know, that heart attack ever came around. Well, good for you for doing the hard work to kind of unpack that family history piece and then also to take a look at, you know, what you were doing diet and lifestyle that was potentially pushing you down that same path as your father and this sort of dance between genetics and environment see it all the time in in practice where we can come into the world with, again, our risk profile based on what our parents dealt with, but then even if there is that genetic 
predisposition to something like heart disease, there's definitely things that you can do, diet, lifestyle, supplementation, yep. to tip the balance back in your favor. And it sounds like you've done that. Yeah, I mean, I want to touch upon that. But before we get there, maybe we should sort of break down the different types of heart disease, right? Absolutely. So there are four main categories. So the first one is coronary artery disease. And for your listeners, if you don't know what the coronary arteries are, they're the arteries that actually feed the heart muscle that come right out of your aorta. So coronary artery disease is characterized by plaques forming on those coronary arteries. Right, and, block- and, and the blockages, right? Exactly, which might require a stint or a bypass if they get too obstructed. Because mm-hmm. if that happens, now the heart muscle is going to be starving for blood and starving for oxygen. Then we've got heart rhythm disorders, also known as arrhythmia, so heart beating too fast, heart beating too slow, heart missing the beat or having extra beats. Then we have structural heart diseases and then uh, heart failure. Okay, so a moment ago we were talking about lifestyle decisions that I've made. Let's start with exercise because that's a big one for me. What are your thoughts on that? Just in general or as it pertains to heart disease? As it pertains to heart disease. Yeah, I mean, the recommendations as a baseline for exercise, they're really achievable for most people, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a day, and it doesn't have to be of high intensity. We see improvements in insulin sensitivity and when insulin resistance happens, so cells become insensitive or don't listen to the message of insulin, that can set the stage for subsequent cardiovascular risk. So a little bit of exercise, improvements in insulin sensitivity, and then from that we can see improvements in in other blood markers like cholesterol and triglycerides. So exercise is great and is a foundation for for good health, and in this case, uh, good heart health. I think what people don't realize is the greatest good that you can do is going from doing nothing to doing something. Like that that gets the biggest results. And not everybody has to run a marathon. You don't have to row. You don't have to like lift weights seven times a week. All that stuff's great. But just getting up and going for a walk as opposed to being sedentary is such a huge difference in your lifestyle. Oh, 100%. And, and walking, I mean, there's a fairly low barrier to entry. Just put on a pair of shoes, a jacket if it's cold outside and, and go. And again, we'll see improvements in blood sugar regulation, cardiovascular risk factors like cholesterol and triglycerides. Right. And it's really relaxing for the nervous system. So if there's stress going on, it's one of the, my favorite things to do just to quiet my mind, just to get out. Uh, I go in the forest in my backyard with the dogs and, and it's great and it's achievable. And I think it's a great point and something I talk to patients about often. It's just finding something that you enjoy doing, whether it's walking or dancing or rowing, mm-hmm. because it's something that that you enjoy doing, you're going to make the time to do it. Exactly. It has to be part of your lifestyle. If, if it becomes the chore, then it's just one more thing you have to do. If it's something you like to do, you're going to do it. Exactly. As opposed to dreading and having it be, yeah, another potential source of stress. Like, oh, I've got to go do X, Y, or Z. Find something that you like to do that just so happens to involve moving your body for at least 20, 30 minutes most days of the week. Okay. So this is a hard one for a lot of people, and I struggle with this still. And that is diet. So do you have any tips in that regard? I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with the Mediterranean diet. It's got a really good track record as a framework for a heart-healthy diet. So what Mediterranean diet is characterized by is uh, protein predominantly from fish and seafood. 
food, lots of nuts and seeds, and then a plethora of fruits and vegetables that are rich in fiber, which help with blood sugar regulation and cholesterol, and lots of antioxidants that, again, help to improve metabolic markers like cholesterol and triglycerides. Okay. And then, of course, supplements can help us. Which supplements do you think are are most important? Because there's so many. Where do you want to start? (laughs) Sure thing. So, yeah, supplements, again, they're supplementary. They're in addition to, you know, brightly colored fruits and vegetables in a varied diet, but they certainly have their time and place, especially here in Canada where seasonally we might not get a lot of sunlight exposure. So one of my favorite supplements especially in the winter months, is vitamin B, yep. not just for its impact on the immune system, um, but also because it helps to modulate inflammation, can help to reduce a lot of the risk factors for cardiovascular disease, so associated with lowering cholesterol levels, improving insulin sensitivity, triglycerides, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Vitamin K, I usually go hand-in-hand hand with vitamin D. Both of those vitamins help with moving calcium, into tissues where we want to find it, which is teeth and bones are hard tissues. When people are low in vitamin D, vitamin K, there is more of a tendency towards elevations in cholesterol and seeing calcium deposit in areas of the body where we don't want to see it, like on artery walls or or in muscle or in kidneys. So those are two of my favorites. And then for my patients who aren't consuming fish and even though I live coastally, it does happen every now and again. I get <laughs> someone in who's like so sick of eating salmon, which right. as an Ontarian, it's hard for me to believe, but I understand. But those omega threes that we get from from seafood also really important for heart health. There are other sources of of omega threes, though, right? Like other than fish, if you're going to eat them in a diet. Yeah, absolutely. So the fish actually acquire them from algae sources. So in yep. the realm of supplementation, algae is a great source. If you're, you know, plant-based vegan, and then we've got some other plant-based sources of omega-3 found in things like flaxseed, hemp hearts, and chia seeds. They're slightly different molecules, but can have similar impacts in terms of reducing inflammation and heart disease risk. So, for example, if you're eating those foods or if you're eating, let's say, fish once a week or twice a week, are you, and it has to be a fatty fish, it's not every fish. Are you probably getting enough omega-3s or would you need to supplement in any event? If you're only doing fish, you know, one or two times a week, chances are you're not meeting the benchmark for the two types of omega-3s that are found abundantly in fish, EPA and DHA. Yep. I would typically recommend some supplementation on top of that. If you're eating fish three, four, five days a week, you're probably meeting the threshold for sufficient EPA and DHA again to reduce heart disease risk. Okay. What is coenzyme Q10? Uh, So CoQ10, it's an antioxidant nutrient, and I love that you brought that up because it's also really important for um, energy production at the cellular level as an antioxidant helps to protect the lining of your blood vessels from from oxidative stress and from inflammation, which kind of kicks off the process of, of plaque formation. So really important for functioning and health of of our blood vessels. I know that you know some people are on medications which may impact the body's ability to produce CoQ10. What would those be and how does this manifest? Yeah, so typically the drug category where we'll see 
coenzyme Q10 be depleted is anyone taking a statin, which is a cholesterol-lowering medication, so lovastatin, rivastatin, as um, generic names, what they do is they decrease liver production of the bad cholesterol, LDL, mm-hmm. but how they work is they also decrease CoQ10 production. And then how I see that show up clinically for patients who don't yet realize that their statin is depleting CoQ10, they usually experience fatigue, again, because CoQ10 is important for cellular energy production. Um, they might experience things like muscle aches and pains, and that's because muscles require a lot of energy. So if they're starving, and then they start to degrade a little bit, and then it's really extreme form, it can cause damage to the kidneys. So all that to say, really important um, to talk to your primary care provider if you're taking a statin to uh, moderate your um, cholesterol levels and heart disease risk to talk about CoQ10 supplementation because it's really important. Okay, and, and the last supplement I think we should talk about is magnesium. Uh, everybody, or at least my favorite supplement, or among my favorite minerals, because it's involved in hundreds of different uh, reactions in the body, from making hormones to making serotonin, which helps us feel calm and relaxed, but also really important for heart health, uh, in part because it can, sort of similar but different mechanisms than our omegas, can help to reduce inflammation, which improves cholesterol levels, decreases the likelihood of, of that coronary artery disease. And, and magnesium also really impacts our muscular system, both skeletal muscle and heart muscle, and can help blood vessels to dilate. So it can help with blood pressure regulation if we're dealing with someone with uh, high blood pressure. Okay, one last question. I know there are different types of magnesium. So if somebody's not taking magnesium, is there one that you would prefer or recommend that they should take? Oh, that's a great question. And it always depends on what else is going on. So I've got sort of two types of magnesium that I tend to use often. Mm -hmm. One is magnesium citrate. The citrate also has a bit of a bowel effect. And so if I'm working with someone who, say, has some cardiovascular risk, maybe inflammation is high, cholesterol is high, blood pressure is a little high, and they're dealing with constipation, mm-hmm. magnesium citrate is more my go-to in that circumstance versus the other type of magnesium that I find myself using often is either magnesium glycinate or threonate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the glycinate and threonate, they actually cross the blood-brain barrier and have more of more of an effect on the nervous system. So if, again, I've got a patient who's maybe got some cardiovascular risk, plus has maybe high stress, issues with sleep, issues with anxiety, I'll go with either a glycinate or a threonate. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to talk about this really important health condition that's plaguing Canadians. That was Dr. Colleen Hartwick, ND. For more discussions and articles about health and wellness, be sure to visit thetonic.ca.